0: For me being world champion was just a life changer because uh, having worked in international development you want to be in a position to influence and to drive change and to speak about the things that you care about and to make people listen and you know triathlon and, and my achievements in triathlon gave me that
1: All right, well, welcome to the Supporting Champions podcast. I'm delighted you've joined me. My name's Steve Ingham, and I'm a performance scientist by trade, having helped elite athletes and high-performing teams reach their peak through the application of scientific principles over the last 25 years. And that is what Supporting Champions is founded upon, applying the many principles of performance that we've learned from sport, from business and education to those hoping to find a better way to create performance. And the purpose behind these podcasts is to explore the science, the art, the purpose and the origins of high performance and discuss those concepts with the people who've achieved right at the top end of performance. Those people have been a driving force in making high performance happen and from those who've researched it and explored aspects of performance in real depth. So we're founded in sport, but equally are keen to explore performance in many other industries such as the arts, business, military and education and so many others that are supporting and championing an idea, a goal, other people or a cause. Massive thanks to 17DHK, George P. Robinson, MSADI39 and ASHA1996 for some fantastic reviews on iTunes. If you're also enjoying the show, then please do leave a review for us. And so to this week's episode in which I talked to Chrissy Wellington, OBE, former professional triathlete who won the World Ironman Championships on four occasions. Now Chrissy spoke at the Supporting Champions Conference back in March 2018 and gave such a stirring speech that I was really keen to catch up further to share her story and her insights on the podcast, but also to explore some of the areas that she spoke about so passionately about at our event. Now in the interview, Chrissy shares her journey on becoming a professional triathlete. She talks a little bit about the competitiveness, that inner drive that she's had all throughout her life. She talks about what it's like on the start line during races and what it feels like to cross the finish line and some of her pivotal races. This interview is rich with insight. Chrissy is a powerful, soulful and inspirational person with an infectious enthusiasm that you just can't help be influenced by but Chrissy's also deeply thoughtful, hopeful, considerate, almost existential in her thoughts and how she approaches life and her legacy. I had goosebumps throughout this interview. It's just a privilege to listen to her and I really hope you enjoy it too. Fantastic, Chrissy. Welcome. Well, well, welcome back to Supporting Champions. You you've you're a, you're a friend having spoken at the at the conference, but welcome to the podcast. It's it's really great to hear to have you on so thank you so much it's great to be on thank you for having me um now we had such a positive response to you you speaking at the conference and i mean you gave such a powerful and passionate account of your journey and the things that you're interested in and looking forward and um to be honest i've got to say by the time you'd finished speaking i was i was ready to bite something i mean i was so (laughs) i was so pumped and um up for it and are you do you always have that effect on people
0: I don't know I don't know if they're ready to bite something or ready to jump into the unknown and enter a triathlon I hope it's the latter actually but no I do hope that through my story I can inspire and motivate people and obviously your story is not going to resonate with everyone but if it you know if what I say does impact some people in the audience then I I, I am and I would be really happy.
1: Well um, no doubt you had that that effect on all of the Supporting Champions Conference delegates. So um that was brilliant. So thank you for hooking up again. It was a bit of a chance to, to maybe dig dig a little bit deeper and explore some of the concepts. I only had a chance to ask you a few questions when we we're on stage. So I've still got a couple left over from that. But um so um for those for those that, that weren't there but also to kind of recap, um be, be great to to sort of go back to the beginning almost, that point where you were... You started your journey when you, when you started to take up sport for the first time and, uh, and maybe tell that story about your transition to becoming a, a, a full-time athlete.
0: Yeah, I think, as I said at the comments, when people meet professional athletes, they sometimes assume that they've been doing their chosen sport or at least a sport um, to a high level since they were very young. And that simply isn't the case for me. And my journey hopefully illustrates that people come to professional sports from a range of different backgrounds and there's not one single path. And hopefully that lends hope to people that might not be taking that kind of stereotypical path um, to professional sport yet still have that aspiration. Um, I was an active child i'd say i I was a member of the local swimming club but local being you know the operative word i i i was it was really a a very low low level but i i I could i could swim and i really enjoyed swimming but i did it as much for the social side as as anything else and i was on the netball team at school as as well i was far less successful at hockey actually but (laughs) The key thing to emphasize, I think, is that I was always driven and determined, um, obsessive compulsive, um, I guess, with perfectionist tendencies. But I channel those into different areas at different stages of my life. So in my youth, I was very much focused on my academic studies. So I just really wanted to do well at school. I was competitive with myself and I was competitive with others in terms of the grades that I achieved. Mm. And I carried that through to university. And I went traveling for two years after university when I reassessed what my career aspirations were and realized that my passion was not law, as I once thought, but international development. I went on to do my MA in development economics up in Manchester, aged about 23. And it was then that I started running. So I hadn't done a lot of sports since maybe fifteen, age of fifteen, and I just started running. And I, I, thinking back, I, I wanted a release. I wanted a physical release to the mental pressure that I was placing on myself in my in my studies. And so I, I started running. And as many people do, I started um, slowly. Uh, with you know 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. But I soon realized that it was giving me the respite that I wanted and also that I really enjoyed it. Right. Uh, and I entered the London Marathon on talking to a, a friend that had done it the year before. I managed to get a charity place and trained quite obsessively but in a very unknowledgeable way for the London Marathon in 2002. And really that was my first foray into endurance sports. And it was a revelation, Steve, because I I realized at that point how much I loved running and that I had a talent for it, not necessarily a talent that was going to take me onto the world stage, but a talent to be relatively good at that at an amateur level. Mm. And so I started running for a club and then I met someone that would influence my life in a way that we could never have imagined. And they basically said to me, do you, do you want to do a triathlon? And -hmm. I've never ridden a road bike, and this was in 2004. And I've never (laughs) – it's a guy called Paul Robertshaw, and he was a committee member for the Birmingham Running and Triathlon Club, the Brat Club. And I was visiting a friend in Birmingham, and she said, do you want to go for a swim with my triathlon club? And I said, why not? And Paul spotted me, and he said – well, you're not a bad swimmer, and and my friend pipes up. Well, she can run a little bit. And Paul said, "Well, why don't you try a triathlon?" And mm. my reaction was, "I've never ridden a road bike." We got me a third-hand road bike, and that was my first kind of leap in into into triathlon.
1: Mm. So you said that there that you've always been driven. Um, is that something you look back and recognise that there's that, there's always been something there that has motivated you? above above normal and and if so where did that come from
0: i've often thought about that and people frequently ask me whether my parents have those characteristics have similar characteristics and the answer is no my parents are active yeah. Although they've become interestingly become increasingly active as myself and my brother have left home, <laughs> um, and so they're very very active, but they're not in any way competitive, really, um, in a, in a, in a sporting sense. And they they worked hard, but they never strived for the perfection right. um, that that I. And to some extent, my brother, you know, strive for. And as long as I can remember, I've been very, very determined to to do my very best. And I can't rest until I know I have given everything my all. And I have a dislike, maybe for mediocrity. Um, I just want to to stand out, mm. not stand out in a way where I'm the center of attention, but just to stand out in terms of maybe my achievements. Um, mm. and I, I really don't know where it's, where it's come from. My parents have always been incredibly supportive, so I've never felt that I need to necessarily prove anything to them
1: right, okay. or to
0: anyone else. Um, but it is a trait that I I have always had. And I would say that it, for the most part, has enabled me to achieve some wonderful uh, things in my life. But I do believe that it also needs to be managed because it can take you to some difficult and dark places, which it has also done. Mm-hmm. So it, it, do, it does need to be carefully carefully managed but i do think that without that drive and discipline and ability to self-motivate and desire to succeed i wouldn't have made a success of myself in sport and perhaps in 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 academia too
1: so that that notion there that you're you're you've always been searching for some some sort of performance that's remarkable something that but not, as you say, not standing out necessarily for the sake of it, but to to achieve. Um, it's interesting that you're you have tried to understand it. You've tried to uh, un- look back and think where did, where did this come from, but I haven't necessarily got the full clarity as to the the experience or the role model or where it might be.
0: Yeah, I, I think many things in life are a combination of nature and, and nurture, and often are the result of a variety of influences same as my success in sport it wasn't the result of one trait or one characteristic or one training session it or one person it was the result of a whole environment that that, that shapes me and shapes an individual and shapes a performance so I think if I try and isolate them it, it, it's very very difficult but also that self-reflection as an athlete or as a person, I think it's very very important. Mm. You might not necessarily come up with the answers, but it is interesting to me to explore the the roots, especially like i said if if sometimes it manifests in unhealthy behaviors and then you can take steps to um, to address them and try and resolve it
1: mm. so you you said that there was a misnomer that about um, that athletes have always been doing the thing that they've been doing. I mean, your story is is the polar opposite of that to a certain extent, isn't it? We pick you up trying to try triathlon for the first time, but I mean, the the word that I often associate with with your journey is meteoric uh, arrival <laughs> onto the scene. Um, and you you can see the steps that you you took in terms of taking uh, doing a triathlon or an, uh, a marathon, triathlon, Ironman. But you accelerated onto the scene like no one's ever heard of before.
0: Um, yes yeah. and yes and no. Um, I, I feel incredibly strongly see that people have talents that they may never ever know they have right. unless they are brave, and I'm not always brave, but brave enough to explore them. Right. Um if I had not um accepted the challenge of doing a triathlon I would never have known that I was it was something that I was good at. And that that is the most impactful and profound m- lesson about my life journey of all in that I have to going forward seize opportunities because you never know where they might take you. And you might not always succeed or you might not always enjoy them, but then at least you know. So that's that's the first thing I guess to say is is to encourage people to, to try new things and to explore and to adventure, because in doing that, you will find talents that you may never know that you had. But also referenced to to your point that I believe that athletes come from somewhere. So yes, in your words, it was meteoric in terms of I went from being an unknown person to being a very known triathlete in my field. I, was shaped by my past and so it wasn't that I was this unhealthy you know Mm, kind of apathetic person that suddenly the next year is is world champion I I was shaped by all of those life experiences that I had whether it was academia whether it was my eating disorder whether it was the time I spent working and cycling in Nepal whether it's my cycle touring in Argentina all of those things shaped me and built me physically and psychologically so that I was capable of achieving
1: what I did. Okay so so the you didn't trip up and um, accidentally win the world championships you you um, what, what this potentially speaks of is the the underlying talents that we all have and seizing those and taking the opportunities and being brave enough to do that i mean i I have this idea that there's probably someone somewhere that's faster than you same bolt um, but they just haven um, 't the, the the probabilities the the population size would say that there's probably going to be somebody. But they haven't taken their opportunities in the same way.
0: Opportunities and environment. You know, for example, there may be, you know, many people in in any number of countries that that could be marathon. World champion or Olympic, you know, Olympic champion, but they haven't got the environment and the support around them to be able to realize their potential. So, yes, it takes individual agency in mm. terms of the person seizing opportunities, but you also need that environment around you. You need your, you know, the physical environment so that you're capable of training. Um, you need clothing you need financial support in many circumstances um physiotherapy you you know that the opportunity to buy the right food and and eat the right food so all of those things shape you as an athlete and i was i had that combination of individual drive and determination and agency and the the opportunity to carve out an environment that was conducive to success Mm
1: so that's fascinating really really important insights there and um so so good that take me back to 2007 then um so how how was it sort of standing on the start line of the world's for the first time what were you, what were you expecting how, how did you anticipate the the event
0: i I I often reflect back on that 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 first World Championships, and I think in many ways naivety w- was a blessing. You know, as a, as a as a new athlete to a sport, relatively new athlete to a sport, for me not knowing was um, kind of the wind beneath my wings.
1: Right. But
0: then. Also, knowing help helps alleviate some of the fears and and apprehension, so it's you know it's it's interesting the first the very, very first race because you can be more nervous because you don't know what to expect, yet not knowing what to expect can be quite um liberating right, in right. in some way so I think overwhelmingly, I was very, very excited. Because I had no expectation, there was no pressure. Nobody knew who I was. Um, I was confident enough in my preparation and looking at my teammates and those who some of whom I was racing to know that I was capable of aiming for top ten. Yeah.
1: Um.
0: So I was I was confident in that. Um. However, I I really n- could never have. A, have envisaged the race turning out as it did and i also you know i look back with amusement at at my preparation you know i'd 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 qualified at the last minute i'd only just got a time trial bike i hadn't arranged accommodation because obviously i hadn't qualified so i ended up halfway up the volcano which um um kind of looked over kona the town where it's Held, so I was biking up and down a, um, a, a hill each and every day because I was too tight with money to rent a car. Um, then my pedal broke on my bike. And again, I was too tight with money to buy a new set of pedals. So I went to a car garage and asked them to use their most industrial glue to glue it back together. So mm. I spent the whole, whole ride thinking my pedal is going to fall off. Please don't let my pedal fall off. <laughs> um so, it wasn't the stereotypically perfect preparation, but we can perhaps go on to the concept of perfection later. Um,
1: Did that give you confidence then in later later events? Yes. You're thinking, well, I won it when it was all disorganized, unprofessional.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it just teaches me that the that, that, that preparation perhaps is never perfect. There's always right. something that happens that you could do better at or that you might not have expected same in a race Hmm. in a race as long as an Ironman I believe things can never go perfectly but it's perfect because you overcome those imperfections so I I, I don't ever strive now for that I, I don't ever I strive for perfection but I don't ever let that derail me when things go wrong, I've been, I've gone into too many races with a little bit of an injury or where, you know, my, my practical preparation isn't as good as it can be and still succeeded. So, um, maybe I succeed because of those rather than despite of them, despite yeah. them. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, not entirely sure, but in terms of 2007, you know, it, it, it was The preparation was quite amateurish and quite amusing if I look back at it. But I think I was just not constrained by any sense of what was possible and what wasn't. So if I thought too much about it, people would say, well it's not possible for a newcomer to win the world championships. You know, you have a rite of passage, you've got to go through that. And that I might've let that put me off. I I just didn't even think about it. I just went in and I just raced and I just raced with no expectation. And I raced with all the joy and euphoria that only a first timer can, you know, can have. And I, I, probably segue into to something slightly different but it it is something i also contemplate quite a lot is goal setting so people assume that professional athletes are all like michael johnson they set a goal and they set out to achieve it and they believe it 100% that you know that they're capable of of that achievement whereas others like me in two thousand and seven, never went in with the goal of winning. I just went in with the goal of being the very best that I could be, and that took me to the victory. Um, and I also, I, I sometimes think that dichotomy is
1: quite interesting. Right. So there, you're talking about a sort of like outcome-focused goal of I need to set this time or I need to win um, the status or the, the actual performance figures versus an inherent internal-based goal. This is, this is how I want to be on the day. You've captured
0: it a lot better than I ever could. Absolutely. <laughs> like it's that focus on process rather than outcome. And fast forward to 2011, that was exactly the same. The focus was, again, on process rather than the fact that I wanted or was striving for that victory and that liberates me
1: so you, you're on the start line thinking i want to to produce the best performance or the, the a performance that i can be proud of or some internal direction there and you, you would have had a dawning realization that would have there <laughs> would have sense your lens onto a podium at some point during that race how did that How did that go? What was going through your mind? Are you thinking, I might win this?
0: I I had a relatively good swim and I was on the bike and I realised that I was stronger than many of my competitors um, because I was overtaking them. And um, at the 90K point, I could see... The lead girls coming back the other way. There's a turnaround and, and you pass each other. And I, uh, about a hundred k, I w- saw them, and they were a cl- lot closer than I might have imagined. And I came up right. behind them, and they were in a in what we call a pace line. So you can't draft in a in an Ironman event. So they were sitting kind of. 10 metres behind each other in, in, in a pace line. And I thought, right, well, I've either got to sit at the back of this line or I've got to go to the front of it because you can't slot in between. Um, and so I decided to try and go past. And <laughs> within that pace line was one of my teammates who just yelled, <laughs> Chrissy, you're going to win this. Because I think she had more confidence in me. She'd raced the race before and knew maybe before I even did what I was capable of. And um, I went to the front of the pace line. There were a couple more athletes a little further up the uh, um, up the field. And I, I went past them and went into the lead, I'd say, at about 120K into the race, 130K. And I, 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 I never relinquished that, that lead, um, but I never, you never take that victory for granted until you, you can see the finish line, which at that point was a long way, indeed a marathon away. So I think I, I have a capability of reading my body Right. very, very well. And uh, on the bike, I I definitely knew that I couldn't be secure in, in the victory. But as the run went on, I, I knew, I had confidence that my body was not going to let me down and that I was probably going to win the race, I think about 10k from the end. I just felt strong fatigued of course mm. but but strong um and it was this feeling of amazement I think as I as I well, I know as I as I approached that finish line about what I'd managed to achieve and I actually thought that the crowd was booing me because they were blowing into the the Hawaiians were blowing into the conch shells and it sounded like people were booing me I thought people were booing me because they didn't want me to win because they didn't know who I was it was (laughs) I must have maybe been a little bit more fatigued and delirious than I maybe recollect but um (laughs) so some other naiveties sort of
1: spoiling the finish (laughs) absolutely
0: um but I yeah it was just this sense of euphoria and amazement um that I'd really managed to defy anything that I thought was possible to to win, and then I, I realised when I crossed that I had this most fast, fantastic opportunity and this amazing platform to represent our sport and to represent issues that I care about. Being for me, for me, being world champion was just a life changer because having worked in international development. You want to be in a position to influence and to drive change and to speak about the things that you care about and to make people listen and, you know, triathlon and and my achievements in triathlon gave me that.
1: So on the day, you've had this melee of feelings of anticipation, free uh, spirit. You've also, you've also had this sort of sense of growing possibility, amazement, trepidation that it could all un- unwind but but then growing confidence during the race that must have been quite quite an, an emotional event mentally as much as physically.
0: I think it epitomizes every Ironman man race I've you know I've, I've ever done people ever do. They they're like life. With all their ups and downs, and highs and and lows, and it's just this fantastic lesson learning experience, and that's why they're so powerful and so um, impactful on people and their lives, um, because. You go through so many different emotions. You ask questions of yourself that you didn't know you had. You reach highs that you didn't realize you could reach and, and lows that you didn't know that you could encounter or, or could endure. And that that's why they are so life-changing. It has been so life-changing for me and for, I guess, everyone that's ever ever done one.
1: So you, you talk there about the platform that you then discovered um, or that you utilised. Um, I love this quote from from you. Um, where you in, in the moments after the, that first World Championships, you you were quoted as saying, "I don't want to. You, I don't want us to lose sight of what we discussed about my goal. I want to, to be able to use my triathlon result to help develop social programmes for underprivileged kids in Southeast Asia." Any sponsor who does not believe this is a priority, we can do without. If it costs me a little money, I'm at ease with that. That's such such an incredible statement to hear someone say in that crucible moment uh, of, of such a remarkable performance. But how mindful were you that how, or how quickly after the event were you thinking this is something I could utilise for a greater good other than performing swim bike runs?
0: On the finish line. Right. Um, I think it struck me. It struck me straight away um, because as soon as you finish, you have cameras thrust into your face and you know microphones under your nose, and they're asking you questions. And when they're asking you questions, you have that opportunity to say the things that are important. And the day after is the uh, awards banquet. So they have about four thousand competitors there and that's when all the um um finisher the, the the podium finishers go up on stage and the two world champions male female have the opportunity to to give a speech and i was i'd never attended a world championship before i didn't know what the world champions actually spoke about and so i asked a couple of people and they said wow well, You know, they talk a little bit about the race and their experiences of it. And they tend to thank their sponsors and um, uh, their family. And that's really about it. And I just thought, well, that's a little mediocre. Um, That's not really using the opportunity that that you've been given to speak to a, a captive audience about things that matter. Um, and plus, I didn't have any sponsors to thank at that point. So that, that was <laughs> re- re- relatively easy. So I was like, oh, dear, how can I feel? How can I feel the five minutes? Um, so I wrote a speech. And I wrote a speech uh, the night after uh, the night uh, of um, – oh, sorry, the morning of of, of the um, after the race. And uh, it was from the heart. And for me, yes, I did go through – Um, my experiences of that race but I also spoke a lot about what you know what we've talked about this morning about how I came to be there and what I feel the opportunities were for me now and I flagged up in that speech the importance and the power of of sport and physical activity to to change things and it sounds really trite and cliched but I see it Day in and, and day out, and it was really important to me. Even the day after that race, to use that opportunity to to say something a little bit more meaningful than to thank my sponsors or non-existent sponsors and, and, and my all-important family and, and and friends, and hopefully, hopefully that set the stage for for what I wanted to do in the years the
1: year since I don't think it sounds trite at all I mean it's purposeful impactful what is what is sport there for? unless it's there to inspire and develop social good and um amazing that you you're able to pick that up in the moment as opposed to a, I suppose a, a light you know rabbit with the, in the headlights of thinking what's all this happening um but actually accelerate almost into your new identity as uh, um I'm, you've had this acceleration to becoming a world champion, but then almost you're crafting your new identity in the, in the moment by the sounds of it.
0: Yeah, you're right. Um, it's very perceptive. I, I was a rabbit in the headlights a little bit, you know, especially in terms of the commercial side of things. You know, I was an athlete. I wasn't yet a professional athlete in that I wasn't making a, a living up to that that point, And I didn't have sponsors but so that was really a whole new experience for me um I was relatively used to public speaking having done quite a bit in my former career with the government but again I wasn't used to media interviews and and being bombarded with 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 questions about triathlons being a sport that I really didn't still didn't know that much about Um, but I realized very quickly about about the platform i i had and that i i i could use it
1: um to to drive to drive change so um fast fast forward a little bit when I mean, you had some some major difficulties around the 2010 you obviously won 2007 8 9 and then a difficult decision to withdraw almost on the start line and and a, and and It sounds, to a certain extent, a similar scenario, but in a different disguise coming into the 2011 uh, worlds where you've had uh, disruptions, but you decided on one occasion not to compete and another occasion to compete. Could you just tell us a little bit about that dynamic?
0: I didn't feel great the morning the day before the race in 2012. I just felt like I had a bit of a head cold, a bit of a sore throat and I didn't sleep well, which is normal. And then I just woke up in the morning and I just knew I was viral. And I spoke to my coach, Dave Scott, and I spoke to my boyfriend, now husband, Tom and my manager, Ben. And Dave said to me, if it was a training session, would you train? And I said, no. And he said, you've got your answer. And I made the difficult decision to withdraw. I just think it's too dangerous to do a, an event like an Ironman when you know that you're carrying a, a virus and that virus is in its very early stages. Um, so I withdrew and that was really painful. Um, I was really disappointed I mean, in the big scheme of things, it's, it, you know, it's not a life or death um, situation. But, you know, when you're a professional athlete and you're focused so heavily on, on that pursuit of that goal, it's, it's very disappointing. And it was com- that disappointment was compounded by, you know, accusations, you know, rumours, oh, she's pregnant, she's too nervous to start, she's crippled, you know, crumbled under the pressure, she's failed a drugs test. All of these rumours um, um, were circulating. So that, that, that was quite difficult. I'm quite a sensitive soul, and um, it, it was difficult, difficult not to be impacted by those. Um, but I didn't start. I didn't race. Someone else was crown world champion, quite rightly, and I went back to Boulder to lick my wounds, get healthy. Um, but from disappointment comes, um, can come success. And I, I went on six weeks later to have one of my greatest victories, which was to break the world record at Arizona, Mm. Ironman, Arizona. And to see my husband in his first Ironman also, also come come third. So that proved to me that, you know, from, from our lowest points can also Come some of some of the you know the, the highest and and most meaningful points and victories. So that was a real learning experience for me. And going into 2011, two weeks before the World Championships, I had an accident on my bike again in a training out in Boulder. I had what's akin to third degree burns on my leg um, and my elbow, and. I was in and out of hospital getting the wound scrubbed. They got a bit infected. Um, and although it was debil- debilitating physically and I wasn't 100% structurally fit, I wasn't – I knew I could start right. the race because it was <laughs> – simply a flesh wound (laughs) um and reference. Monty Python reference but it was it was a it was a flesh wound albeit quite a deep one and one that hurt (laughs) um and I didn't know whether I'd do myself some long-term damage I um I hope not but I, I I have to admit in some ways it liberated me because I was three-time world champion going into that. There was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of talk of me winning. And I also I almost felt like, actually, I've absolved myself of the expectation right. to win. I didn't expect myself to win. And nobody else did because I couldn't really even walk properly. So I remember getting an email from, from my friend. And he's he said, you finishing is the story that's the success and I thought yes that's the success finishing is a success so just go out there just race just do your best finish and that will that will be the measure of success and um I I think that release of pressure was really important and almost gave me the wings i needed to achieve what i did
1: it sounds a similar similar sort of spirit that you were recapturing of the 2007 race um where, where you're racing a bit freer as opposed to weighed down by the the overwhelming sense of refinement and precision and, um, and expectation.
0: Yes, absolutely. I, I really raced free and with the biggest smile. I was just so grateful to be out there competing. And although it was the most painful experience in terms of Ironman, of my life it it was almost the most also the most gratifying because I had that race that I craved with myself where I just went to the lowest lows and highest highs and crossed that finish line just totally annihilated and that's all you can ask for as an athlete just to feel like you've given it your all and that race with others with my competitors where you know I wasn't always in the lead and it was definitely wasn't a a given until very very close to the end and and that that as a as a competitive athlete is what you want you want that 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 hard-fought race and I realized also that A I was capable of so much more than I thought and that is so empowering and B that your p- imperfect race can be totally perfect and that those outcome measures those, those times on the clock especially are are meaningless because the, the time was was slow but it was my perfect race and and at that point I knew I'd achieved all I wanted or needed to achieve in, in the sport and,
1: and so I retired hmm. it couldn't, couldn't get any better in that sense of, uh, of accomplishments
0: yeah I think I didn't know what questions I was asking myself until I answered them if that makes sense right. I think all throughout the journey I was asking myself how good can you be are you worthy of being world champion and that race i answered the question Mm. i realized that that was the best i could that was what i could give when you know when the proverbial hit the fan i was i was capable of of overcoming more than i more than i thought and um was I worthy of being world champion? At that point, I think yes. And no matter how many more times I raced and no matter how much faster I got or world records I broke, and I know that nothing could come close to the euphoria and the sense of satisfac- satisfaction that that race gave me. And as an athlete, you, you are searching. And I think I found my answer and... Um, I knew I had to retire at some point, and that seemed to me like the point for me. Mm.
1: Chrissy, I've, I've only really recently sort of got to know you and connected with you, and some email, some standing on a stage, and and now talking. But um, I hope you don't mind me commenting. There's a there's a warmth and sincerity and a, a sensitivity about you that. Um, that the, you've got an effervescence that that, that is immediately uh, connecting to people, um, but you have a steel and a determination and uh, bloody mindedness to 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 make things happen for yourself and for others. Um, but you're also really philosophical and deep and uh, <laughs> considerate. Um, this this is uh, it's quite a, a unique dynamic that you. You possess and hold. Have you, have you always been conscious of of this?
0: Um, thank you. I, I I don't know. I think everyone is is, is multi layered, um, and I I think sport has enabled me to explore aspects of my personality that I I may I may not have fully understood, and and now do that little bit that little bit more. Um, But I I do think that that the most people are are a combination of, uh, you know, lots of different characteristics and, and traits and it's, it's nice to be able to explore and, and demonstrate those in, in different contexts. And I just, I feel so privileged and blessed to, to have this opportunity to, um, you know, live a really rich and fulfilling life, and to be able to share this with with others, and hopefully inspire and motivate and motivate them. Mm.
1: That's incredible to hear. I'm um, um, I'm curious as to what's next for you, um, having achieved your your perfect race because of overcoming imperfections and. And having the titles and the world records to, to boot. Um, now you have. You're you're a mum now. Uh, <laughs> you're a global mm. lead for uh, for health and well-being for for Park Run. You have some amazing uh, things in your life now. So what what's next? What's in front of you?
0: It's been a really interesting transition over the past, you know, seven years since since I retired. Um, not always not always easy to retire from professional sport you go from having this single focus on on one goal and ultimately being very selfish doing mm-hmm. professional sport is I believe a, a very very selfish pursuit but one that you can make unselfish if you, uh, you you know use your platform in 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 the right way but you know I went from training four to six hours a day as an Ironman athlete um to questioning my identity and who I was and my sense of purpose and my direction. And it took a little bit of time to, to find that. And I had to remind myself throughout that process to be really kind to myself and to be patient and to continue to explore and seize opportunities. So the the stage that I'm at now it has come from that 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 process of you know, exploration and enlightenment, um, and I feel really, really excited about what opportunities I have in front of me. I, I'm less focused on a single goal, and I have more of a portfolio of <laughs> interests and careers than yeah. I had as a, as a, as an athlete. So professionally, like you said, I work. As Global Head of Health and Wellbeing for Parkrun, I feel absolutely passionate about what I do. It's an organization that is using physical activity in its broadest sense to improve the health and well-being of tens of thousands of people every single weekend in the UK and across the world. So working for that organization is a privilege and something that I really, really am passionate about and, and, and enjoy immensely. Um, as you touched on, I do some, some public speaking and I'm fortunate to also be an ambassador for, you know, a number of companies. So I work with companies, um, you know, whose ethos and resonates with, with mine. That's very, very important to me. Um, physically I'm throwing myself into different challenges. I had a little foray into, um, Ultra running last year, which really tickled my fancy, and I um, I definitely see some more of those in in my future. I, I I enjoy running, and and now, as you said, my other challenge, my most important challenge yet, is, is being a mother to two and a half year old Esme, um, and I just feel that for me now, running is something that is um, logistically the most easy and practical. So I'm focusing on, on running because it does enable me to keep the other balls in the air without, without dropping, you know, without dropping them. Is it because it's so time, time efficient. And so, you know, just thinking back to what you said, so just briefly about my traits and, and characteristics, I really hope that I can impart some of those into our daughter, like if she grows up passionate and effervescent and confident yet empathetic and adventurous, that's really all we can all we can ask for. And and obviously that's a challenge um, because she's her own you know her own person, and all we can do is create an environment around her that will enable her to achieve her her potential and you know going from being a selfish self-absorbed athlete eight years ago to being a selfish parent is such an interesting um, fascinating and and gratifying journey
1: mm. so the the narcissistic knock people out of the way if they're dragging you <laughs> if, they're, if they're holding you back or if they're annoying or if they're slowing the process there's a shift there to to almost being fascinated about how you could be the best parent in in many ways as opposed to the best triathlete
0: yeah but also the the realization that i'm i be, being the best parent doesn't mean not making mistakes mm. and i'm so hard on myself i just want to be the the perfect Mother, and I'm so self critical if I think that I haven't been as patient as I want to be, or I haven't given her enough time. And I also have to be kind to myself, just as I was with my training when I thought oh, you haven't trained as hard, you haven't pushed as hard as you could, or this race, you know, you didn't control all the controllables as well as you could have done. I have to be kind to myself because you can be your own worst enemy, and as long as you're doing the best that you can at any point in time, that's that's really all you all you can
1: you know all you can ask right okay so so shifting from that control piece almost to a place of empowerment almost like a coach in many ways that ultimately you you want them to go on and, and thrive but but sp- spoon feeding and molly coddling is not going to get you to that position
0: absolutely i mean i have to let go of some of my fears for example she's an uh, um, she loves the balance bike she's on the balance bike and (laughs) i have a fear of going downhill very fast on a bike i always have done and she doesn't seem to have that fear which is which is wonderful (laughs) um um, can sometimes get her into some tricky situations but i also have to let her fall off i have to let her go downhill at, at at some speed because that's how she learns, and I cannot instill my fear in her, but I have to also ensure her her, her safety as mm. as well. But I think it's also important, just from you know my, myself and my husband's perspective, that she sees us make mistakes and she sees us, you know, be upset or or be emotional. Because I think the worst thing we can do is is convey this sense that us as her parents are are all succeeding and all doing and all powerful and you know yeah confident and happy all the time because that isn't the reality um so whilst we're not bursting into tears in front of her we we, are, we want to to show her the reality of who who we are and that we're not perfect and that we do make mistakes but that we learn from them and I think that's that's a really really important lesson to, for her to you know to hopefully grow up
1: learning mm. so last last question then for me um what would your 80 year old self tell you as a top tip to, to now in your life um not necessarily the the triathlete the, the previous incarnation what do you think your 80 year old self would would give you a little bit of advice on
0: um i'd say it would that person would reiterate that you're capable of so much more than you think because at every stage in my life i've seemed to have defied expectations my expectations of what i thought was possible and i think that that is something always to remember so i'd i'd like to always remind myself to to try new things to strive and to to reach beyond what you 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 think you're capable of and also be kind to yourself (laughs)
1: right that's wonderful um i've just got a, a huge sense of of Thanks for you. I mean, I've, I've had goosebumps for the last fifty-four minutes, and it's hugely motivating. <laughs> I'm probably going to go and bite something. Probably best it's lunch. Um, <laughs> the, so, um, mm-hmm. thank you so much, and congratulations for everything you've you've achieved athletically, but but more perhaps broader sense to the voice and the cause that you're creating, and um, and the, and and what a role model you are. I've got two girls, and uh, and. Uh, it's it's fascinating to see how important female role models are and and so thank you for for being those those people
0: thank you and thanks so much for giving me this this platform
1: uh chrissy uh i'm no doubt people want to to find out more so so um now you chrissywellington.org is your website um you have a couple of books and some other things anything that you'd, you'd like to direct people to
0: yeah, I'm relatively active on Twitter. I haven't yet embraced Instagram, although I'm feeling the the pressure to do that. So my my Twitter handle is Chrissy Smiles C H R I S S I E and Smiles. Um, uh, so I'm very active on on Twitter. Um, like you said, my website. Um, I try and be the best I can be, but I'm not very good at updating my website. So that. <laughs> Um, is slightly slightly antiquated. I have written two books. My autobiography was published in 2012, which details my my journey um, through to being four time world champion. And I recently published a training guide, which is for people, um, not just triathletes, but but endurance athletes, people that are interested in in simply being the best that they can be and excelling. Um, in terms of, of, of performance in whatever field they um, they're in. So it, encu- it encompasses some of the practical kind of psychological and physical aspects of, of, of training for triathlon and, and endurance sport that's called to the, to the finish line. And both are available from all good, all good bookshops. Um, I but the anyone, ones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <the total ones. laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, people can get in touch with me via via um, via my website. And if, if anyone ever sees that I'm I'm speaking in in their area or in wants to invite me to speak, then then by all means um, do come along and, and hear me speak. Or, or if there is an opportunity, I'd love to be able to address an audience.
1: Chrissy, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. So do look up Chrissy on Twitter and take a look at some of her books what an inspirational person she is you can follow me on twitter at ingham underscore steve and at support underscore champs check out our facebook group site and you can subscribe at supportingchampions.co.uk